Amen and amen. In Jesus' mighty name, we have worshipped. Amen. Good evening, everyone, and you are welcome. This is God's favorite house, and we welcome you to Thrive. Thrive is our midweek Bible study, which holds currently online at 6 p.m. It starts, and 6.30, we kick off. So you are welcome today. And if today is your first time of joining us, we say welcome. Thank you for joining us. And we trust that the living God will meet with you wherever you are on the face of the earth in the mighty name of Jesus. We'd like to invite you to join us in church on Sunday as well. We have two services on Sunday at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. Please join us at any of them and God will bless you in Jesus' name, amen. Welcome again to everyone. You know, we're still basking in the awesomeness of what God did for us at the God Will Do It Again service on Sunday. 87 souls were won for Christ, hallelujah. We celebrate Jesus we, and we are so totally, totally grateful to God. And we pray for them that God will take them higher and higher in Jesus' name. So welcome again, everyone, to Higher Grounds. So a couple of weeks ago, we began the study of the book of Hebrews about 14 weeks ago. And um, in the last two weeks, we did Hebrews chapter 12. And we learned a couple of things. Number one, we need to take a stand against subtle sin like, you know, just becoming gossip. And also we learned that Jesus Christ is a perfect example of endurance because he endured the cross for you and I. And if you missed it, we want to encourage you, please watch it again on YouTube. And if you didn't miss it, you can always watch it again just to refresh your memory. Um, today we'll be looking at Hebrews chapter 13, which is the last chapter of the book of Hebrews. So let's dig in and we will start by reading the entire chapter as we usually would do. Hebrews chapter 13 from verse 1. It says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave you I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be distracted, do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, which don't help those who follow them. We have an altar from which the priests in the tabernacle have no right to eat. Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, and the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. So also, Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. So let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. 
Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Verse 18, pray for us, for our conscience is clear and we want to live honorably in everything we do. And especially pray that I will be able to come back to you soon. Now, may the God of peace who brought up the dead, who brought up from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Verse 22. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, to pay attention to what I have written in this brief exhortation. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released from jail. If he comes here soon, I will bring him with me to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the believers there. The believers from Italy send you their greetings. May God's grace be with you all. Amen. Okay, so this is the last chapter of Hebrews, and um, the writer has called it a brief exhortation, but let's dig in. We'll start with verse 1. It says, in the NLT version, it says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. And the Passion Translation, which I absolutely love, says, no matter what, make room in your heart to love every believer. And you know, this is so apt because it ties directly with what Papi taught us on Sunday at the higher ground about Mount Hebron. I want to encourage us again, please watch the teaching again of higher grounds on Sunday. It is so refreshing to hear the word of God. You know, so Papi taught us about a couple of mountains and one of them was Mount Hebron. You know, and the scripture here is telling us that no matter what, Make room in your heart to love every believer. So what is Mount Hebron? As Papi explained to us, it says, Mount Hebron means friendship, community, society, unity in community. Because no one can fulfill their destiny alone. So we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And we need to make room. So it's a conscious and deliberate effort to actually make room to love every believer because sometimes, honestly, I think some people are just unlovable. But if you love them with the love that Christ Jesus gave to us, because if Jesus Christ looked at how we behaved, he would never go to the cross. He would never, ever go to the cross. But because he looked at the love the Father had for all of us, he said, I will endure everything these humans are doing to me because of the greater love of the Father. And that is what the Bible is encouraging us to do. It says, keep on loving each other. And you know, like Papi also shared, there are some people in church, they will bite you and then they will blow breeze. Then they will bite again, then they will blow breeze again to try and reduce the pain. However, there are people that also genuinely love and care about you. And as Papi said, why don't you be that person? If all of us choose to be the one that genuinely loves and cares about the other person, we are better together, we are stronger together. You know, so, and you know, Mount Hebron is the mount of giants, and there are spiritual giants in churches. There are spiritual giants, and Iron will always sharpen iron. And whenever iron sharpens iron, there will be sparks. There will be sparks however the iron gets sharpened. Wood cannot sharpen iron. So if you're a believer in church, you're an iron. And sometimes you may rub off on the other person and there will be sparks flying. But guess what? We are bought by the covenant blood of Jesus Christ. So we need to deliberately, consciously make room to love other people. You know, so I'm going to share an example of my family. You know, my parents had um, seven children. Ha! And I remember we used to say to my mom then that seven children, three or long, seven children. So you can imagine my house was a mix of characters. We had the Frank Spencers. You guys remember Frank Spencers? Some others do have them. Every day I'm getting better and better. People that will just keep breaking things. We have the bookworms, the people that their pastime is just to read. 
their playtime is to read, their uh, leisure time is to read. We had all sorts of characters, all of us in one house. So you can begin to imagine the, the amount of uh, um, commotion, you know, Fuji House of commotion of seven children in one home. However, just seven children, oh, and there's this mix that I've explained to you. So why do we expect that a church that has more than seven people would not have more characters in it? But guess what? It is this character that brings us together. It is this character that should actually birth unity. And, and you know, like the example I was sharing of my family, regardless of what happens, we always stood together. We always stood together such that if anybody was in trouble, any one of my siblings in trouble, all they need to do is call and say, ah, I have a situation. You will just say everybody carry the matter on their head like, ah, this one is a personal matter to me, it's personal to me. We may just have finished quarreling, you know, we may just have finished exchanging blows, but we set it aside immediately and we take it up. And that is what church should be. So I'm going to share an example, a personal example. You know, I'm a twin and um, my twin and I were like seven up. The difference is clear. That's what we used to call ourselves when we were growing up because right now she's about six foot tall. So she's, you know, quite taller than I am. And she has always been from when we were young. And because of this high difference, everything about us really is generally different. So we used to fight a lot. We used to fight a lot. I remember, and it's not a verbal fighting, Nicole. We used to exchange blows, you know, serious blows, you know. And every time we started fighting, someone, one of the many other children would try and separate us. Guess what we did? Every time that person came to separate us, we would face that person and say, who, who, who sent you? Who, who, you know, if the person says, oh, it was this person that was wrong, why did you do this to your sister? The other person that was, you know, said was supposed to be right, who face out and say, who sent you? Who made you our judge? Who made you our judge? So my mom and everybody got the scope that these two, when they start fighting, just leave them be. So whenever we start our fight, my mom would just say, oh, yeah, yeah, yara, like go into the room. When you guys are done, come back out. And we'll go into the room and we'll look at ourselves and say, oh, man, those came go to separate us today. You know, and we'll just say, okay, we're done fighting. We'll come back out. And she'll be like, you guys are done fighting already. Yeah, we're done fighting. We're done fighting. Guess what? We love each other, like, like, seriously, seriously, despite all the fightings. And today, at over 40 years of age, we still fight. But that bond of love is still so tight because we fight, we kiss, we make up, and we move on. I I'll share another example, you know. There was a time when the same university but different campuses. And one day, I had a dream that she was being attacked. And, you know, back in those days in Nigeria, we didn't really have mobile phones. I woke up from that dream so scared, and I was praying for her. I immediately packed the bag and rushed to her own campus. I said, what's going on? I had a horrible dream that you were under attack. And she said, yes, that called people, you know, they were going and doing all sorts of things and they came to look for her and, but somehow they just could not access her. And that is what love does. God had woken me up to stand in the gap and pray for her. I didn't start saying, hey, very good. She be, she called me big head the other day. She be, she did this, she eyed me. She, no, 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 no. I threw it aside. And that is what the Bible is encouraging us to do here. It says, no matter what, make room, make room. It's deliberate. You make room. You fight for your blood. And we are bought by the blood of Jesus. That's what the book of Hebrews has been teaching us, that the blood of Jesus is the, is the covenant that ties us together. So if the blood of Jesus ties us together as siblings, we need to make room to love one another. You may not uh, agree entirely with the way people are doing stuff, but you love them regardless. Because guess what? Together we stand. Back to back we fight. We win. We move forward. And we are better together in Jesus' name. Amen. So we need to realize that as a church and a people, we, re we represent giants with different personality. However, if, if those 
giants come together with all their firecrackers and their personalities and come together. The kingdom of darkness has no chance against us, really has no chance against us. You know, like Papi said on Sunday, to fulfill your destiny, you need to take up your mountain of relationship because until you do, your destiny eludes you. Our destinies will not elude us in Jesus' name. Amen. So make room for love in your heart for every believer. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 says, Proverbs 18, 24 says, Some friendships don't last for long, but there is one loving friend who is joined to your heart closer than any other. One loving friend. I want to encourage us today, you be that loving friend. You be that loving friend that is closer. That friendship that you're desiring of someone else, you be that person. And we will grow stronger in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So just imagine all the gifts, all the talents, all the abilities working hand in hand. Just imagine a project to be done and everybody with different talents and abilities, you know, everybody coming together to work as one. No politicking, no backbiting, no gossip, just razor sharp focus. They will be unstoppable. Now stop imagining because this is God's favorite house and we are unstoppable in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Verse 2 says in the NLT version says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. You know, and the Passion Translation says, and show hospitality to strangers, for they may be angels from God showing up as your guests. Abraham is a typical example of showing hospitality to angels. You know, so we'll, we'll look at his story very quickly from Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 to 10. Genesis 18, 1 to 10. The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre, one day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. Verse 3, my Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servants with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough and bake some bread. Then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to his servants who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and the roasted meat, and he served it to the men. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Verse 9, where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent clear example of entertaining angels. You know, the Bible says that Abraham ran to meet them. He ran to meet them from afar on a hot day, saw them, strangers. He said, come, please follow me to my house. Let me entertain you. I will wash your feet. And you know, washing of feet, you know, is like a symbol of love and humility. And then he rushed to make them a meal. The meal he gave them wasn't leftover food. He was deliberate in his hospitality. He was deliberate. He wasn't leftover meal. He wasn't leftover meal, you know. And when I saw that meal, I stood back and I thought about it, you know, because I bake bread once in a while. I eat, yeah, well, I, yes, I bake, I bake bread. And the process, eh, crazy. You mix the bread and you will knead and knead and knead and knead until the thing is elastic. Then you cover it up, allow it rise. Then you go back to it again and you knead and knead and knead. Then you cut it up into the shapes you want it to be. Then you cover it up again before you set it into the oven. Look, this process for me, I'm sure there are experts that do it at a shorter time. For me, it takes about two hours to break 
to bake this bread. Now, I enjoy doing it every once in a while, but it's not a daily habit at all. So you can imagine when Sarah goes to need three measures of flour. And I was thinking, what is three measures of flour? I saw different, response, different results, but the one I'm going to go with shows that three measures of flour is about 32 cups of flour. Now, it takes about three cups of flour on average to bake a loaf of bread. So Sarah starts with 32 cups of flour, baking almost 11 loaves of bread for three people. 11 loaves of bread for three people. 11 loaves of bread for three people, three strangers. Abraham didn't stop there. He went and grabbed a small calf and roasted it. Asun, bread and asun joined together. Then he now gave them milk and yogurt to wash it down. Come on. Even if it's me that they gave that kind of meal, the kind of prayer I would say to them, eh? It will come from a very full stomach, you know. A, the prayer will come from the depth of my being. So you can imagine how the visitors felt. Wash their feet, put them under a shade, give them bread burger, you know, bread and asu. Give it to them, fresh and hot, sizzling hot, and give them more than enough. Of course, they gave them a blessing. Abraham provoked a blessing by showing hospitality a blessing that was irreversible because indeed a year later, Sarah was carrying Isaac. Sometimes the, the, the solution to the situation they were faced with may just require sacrifice, just that sacrifice, that hospitality. So again, it comes, takes us back to verse one, make room in your heart to love one another. So what is that thing that God has told you to do? What is that thing that God has told you to bless somebody with? And you're probably thinking in your heart that, hey, this person, ah, this person cannot, can't give this person kind of big blessing. No, no, let me find something that is their size. No, 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 no. Abraham could have baked a loaf of bread for the three of them. A loaf of bread would have reached the three of them now. I'm sure they had some leftover meat somewhere that he could have said, oh, people should warm that meat and join it together. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. So whatever it is that God has put in your heart to do, go ahead and do it. And that may just be the solution to the prayers that you've been praying all this while. My advice, follow what Abraham did and do likewise. And God will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So we'll move on to verses 3 and 16. Verse 3 says, I'll just read from the Passion Translation. It says, identify with those who are in prison as though you were there suffering with them and those who are mistreated as if you could feel their pain. And verse 16 says, we will show mercy to the poor and not miss an opportunity to do acts of kindness for others. For these are the true sacrifices that delight God's heart. Show acts of kindness to another person. And listen, it's not until you become a billionaire that you can show an act of kindness. From the level that you are in, who are you being kind to? You know, because in the Gold and Silver series, we learned that money amplifies. Money amplifies who you are. So if you made an excuse when you didn't have a lot of money that, ah, if I had a lot of money, I would do A, B, C, D. Trust me, when you have that lot of money, you see that excuse? You will just modify it a little bit and say if you had even more money, then you will still do A, B, C, D. It's going to be difficult for you to do it. It starts now. Show an act of kindness to the person next to you. Say a kind word. Even if you feel that, oh, I don't have any money, say a kind word to the next person. Say, oh, my darling sister, your hair is so beautiful. Or you say to that brother and say, ah, you look very sharp today. You know, it's a, it's a kind word that will go a long way, much more than even the money you think that, oh, if I have the money, I can do much more than that. Kindness is in the words of encouragement. Little tokens, little tokens of encouragement, little things, you know, little drops of water forms a mighty ocean. Start from what you want to do for a thousand people. Start with one. You know, that's what people say. Oh, that kindness you want to, you wish that, oh, if you're a billionaire, you would just feed 10,000 people every weekend. Please, my brother and my sister, 
feed one person first and then let it grow let it grow and god will help us in jesus name amen you know matthew chapter 25 verses 30 31 to 40 says but when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him then he will sit upon his glorious throne all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats he will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left then the king will say to those on his right come you were blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world for i was hungry and you fed me I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Verse 40, when you do it to the least of my brothers and sisters, not when you do it to the highest. You know, there's a, a, a misconception of, oh, let me go and do it to somebody that I know that can repay me. No, Bible says when you do it to the least, to the least, that seed to the list. I, God, God is saying that I will remember and I will pay you back. And the, our God is the one who owns the cattle upon a thousand hills. So he's saying, do it to the list. Do it to the list. God has, I am so confident that God has more than enough to settle me. God can never owe me. He can never owe you. He's saying, do it to the list. Because you did it to the least, this is your reward. And that reward will not be taken from any of us, even as we obey in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll move on quickly to verse 4. Verse 4 says, Honor the sanctity of marriage and keep your vows of purity to one another. For God will judge sexual immorality in any form, whether single or married. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 to 19 says, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. You know, and it's, it's clear in, in the book of Corinthians, it says, run from sexual sin. Because it is a sin that affects your body directly. Run. R-U-N. Run. You know, run. My people will say, you know, let the, let the heel of your feet be touching the back of your head when you see sexual sin or any appearance of it. It's not time to be binding and casting and losing and saying, I bind you, I lose you. No, 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 no. It is time to walk, run. It is not time to say, I reject you, I reject you. No, it is time to walk, run from sexual sin because it is something that affects your body. And the scripture is letting us know that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You go and visit Sister A, Brother B. You go and visit Sister A in her house. You say you are doing Bible study. And so if you are alone, you do Bible study one year. What kind of Bible study is that one? If you must study the word of God, I'm super happy for you. But please do it in an open place. Do it where everyone can be passing and be looking at you. Where you know that hands cannot mistakenly go the wrong way, you know. And you will not mistakenly lean on the other person's shoulder because that's how it starts. It's very subtle. It's very, it starts very subtly. So be in an open place. Be in an open place so that you can avoid stories that touch. Mm. So that you can avoid stories that touch. Oh, we're just studying. Oh, he was just teaching me that musical note. Oh, I was just trying to explain. No, please do it in an open place in an open place so that if anything is about to go down, even you, you, you feel it within you that our people are watching. Yes, because the Bible says that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. 
There are spiritual witnesses. However, surround yourself with physical witnesses as well that can tell you what are you guys doing, you know, in case you're being, you know, derailed in the course of the study or whatever mission it is that you went there for. And God will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Because God says in his word, says he will judge sexual immorality of any form. Of any form means in any dimension, in any equation, man that was, man that turned to woman that is following man, woman that was man, that was woman that turned to man that is following woman. Any if, if equation, anyhow you want to juxtapose it, people that are following married people, anyhow you want to juxtapose it, God says he will judge because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, a gift that he has given to us. So when we defile our bodies, we defile the temple of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. So again, I want to encourage us, sexual immorality, you see it coming. It's not time to say, I reject you, I reject you, I reject you. It is time to run. Run like you're running for your life because actually you are running for your life. Run and flee away from it and God will grant us the grace in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Verses 5 and 6 says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? You know, and the Passion Translation says, don't be obsessed with money. Some people are so obsessed with making money that they will sell anything and anyone just to have the money. Now, money by itself is not bad, but the love of the money in 1 Timothy 6.10 says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows, many sorrows from being obsessed by the love of money. Matthew 6, 24 says, how could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have, you will love one, you will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. So obsession to money causes enslavement. You want to hammer, you want to have more money. So what is it going to be, God or money? Because the Bible says that when we seek first the kingdom of God, all other things will be added to, all other things will be added to it. All other things will be added to it. All other things, including money. Including money. Let's look at the B part of verse 5. It says, for you always have God's presence. For hasn't he promised you, I will never leave you. Never. And I will not lose my grip on your life. God has a grip on your life. And he says, I'm not going to lose in that grip. Hallelujah. You know, and this scripture, again, it's similar to what when Pastor was talking about Mount Zion on Sunday. He says, we'll always have God's presence in Mount Zion. And because Mount Zion is a citadel of power, as we learned on Sunday, God has promised he will never lose his grip on us. You see, it is one thing for you to be holding on to God and say, God, my hand is tired because you're a mere mortal. It is yet another thing for God to hold on to you. He's the all-powerful God. And he says, this is a promise. I will never loosen my grip on you. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I'm so excited. I am so excited that my king, my God, my rock is holding on to me tight. So I can never fall and I can never lack. You can never fall. You can never lack because God is holding on tight to you. Amen. And you know, Papi says that the thing that keeps you safe in the storm is Zion. And that is why verse 6 says, so we can say with great confidence, I know the Lord is for me and I will never be afraid of what people may do to me. My Zion is secure. My citadel is secure in God's presence. So I will never ever be afraid of what people can do to me. Why? Regardless, my daddy says he, his grip is on me tight. He says he will never lose 
his grip on me. So go ahead and raise the wall of Jericho, raise the wall of accusation, raise the wall of hate, raise the wall of conspiracy theories, gossip, raise all those walls. I will never be afraid because the walls of Jericho have crashed. Oh, the Jericho to wall, lek, patak, patak. Oh, the Jericho to wall, hallelujah. The walls of Jericho have crashed in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Verse 7 and 17 says, Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. You know, so a question popped into my mind. Who is leading and teaching you the word of God? And I answered that question. I said, well, Pastor Fed Munai is teaching me and leading me in the word of God. But I want you to ponder on this privately and think about who is leading you and teaching you the word of God. Because the Bible says that we should think of all the good that has come from their exemplary life of sacrifice. And every time I look at him, he brings a request before God. He's saying, God, answer these people. God, do this for this person. Give this one a child. Give this one husband. Do this one. Do this one for that person. Come on. He's an amazing man. And we salute you today, sir. The Bible says, follow their example of faith. He will, you know, Papa will show up and say stuff like, you know, you can pray easily for one hour if you do A, B, C, D. Follow this routine. Set up a personal altar. You see, this is the song I've been singing. I'm going to teach you people. It's in my grandmother's language, but I will teach you the song and then we'll interpret it. But I'm going to teach you the song. Again, he'll come up again and say, this is something I just discovered about God. Why are you to go and do the same? Pay your tithe and see whether God will not rebuke the devourers for your sake. I can go on and on and on. And the Bible says, obey them. Listen to them. Follow the exemplary life of faith. Stay under the things that God has put above you so that the things that he has put under you can stay under you. And you know, just think about it. It's raining. There's a giant umbrella over you. And then you go, this umbrella is not even talking to me nicely. This umbrella is not so nice to me. I beg, I'm just going to step out from under the umbrella. You step out. You step out at your own peril because they will show you Pepe. They will flog you. And guess what? The things that were under you are no longer under you. They're exposed. They've moved and someone else will go under that umbrella because there's no vacuum. In life, there is no vacuum. Stay under cover. Okay, very quickly, we're running out of time. Um, verse 8, I'm going to take verse 8 and 8 to 15. 8 to 15 um, says, Jesus, the anointed one, is always the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't let anyone lead you astray with all sorts of novel and exotic teachings. It is more beautiful to feast on grace and be inwardly strengthened than to be obsessed with dietary rules, which in themselves have no lasting benefit. You know, Jesus Christ is the same. Don't be led astray with exotic teachings. What are exotic teachings? People that, will, by the time they are done preaching or teaching, there's no mention of the name of Jesus. Or even if you hear Jesus, it has been diluted and toned down. Those are exotic teachings. You leave the place excited. But ask yourself, what have you learned that is going to change your life? What have you learned that is going to help you move up spiritually? If you haven't learned any of those things, then my brother and my sister, you have just listened to an exotic teaching. And the Bible is saying that we should be weary about that. We should be weary about that. You know, further down the scripture talks about how Jesus, well, how Jesus was um, sacrificed and disgraced outside the religious walls. And Jesus suffered death outside the city walls, the city wall of religious jargons, religious jargons. So we must step out of the religious jargon and begin to praise and worship God from where we are outside of religion because we have something higher that is a relationship with god you know um or something else that papi shared on sunday see christians go to church to a restaurant they pay for food with their money oh, with their money then they want to pray for the food and they are dodging to pray i don't understand that thing sha food that i bought with my money ah 
In fact, I will lift up my hands to heaven and say, Father, I thank you for this food that I bought with my money. Let the waiter stand there and be looking at me. I bought it with my money. I can do whatever I like with it. So why do we as Christians decide that, ah, let me just dodge and so that they won't think that I'm being over-religious? No, 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 no. When Jesus was going to feed the 5,000, the Bible says he lifted up the food and said, Father, I thank you. He gave thanks and he blessed the food. So we should do likewise. Lift it up and bless the food. I'm carrying this Christianity on my head, though. And I will continue to carry it on my head till Jesus comes. Amen. You know, so through Jesus, we offer up a steady stream of sacrifice, of praise sacrifices. These are the lambs that we offer from our lips to celebrate his name. That's what verse 15 says, that we offer up a steady stream of praise. So we sing, praise my soul, the king of heaven, to his feet your tribute bring. Okay, so my voice is cracked, so I'm true worshippers, they're not here to support me. So you guys, you know this song now. But we lift up our praise to God. That is our sacrifice. That is acceptable to him. Hallelujah. Verses 18 and 19 is a prayer that we should always endeavor to pray for our leaders. And it says, and keep praying for us that we continue to live with a clear conscience. For we desire to live honorably in all that we do. And I especially ask you to pray that God will send me back to you very soon. Why should we pray? Because our leaders are constantly watching over us. They're constantly saying, they're calling Adah before the throne of God. They're calling Topai before the throne of God. The Father, watch over Adah. Watch over Chika. Watch over Emeka. So the very least we can do is pray for them. And that's what the scripture is asking us to do here. Pray for your leaders because they're constantly watching over you and asking that God will answer your prayers. Amen. So verses 20 to 22 says, Now may the God who brought us peace by raising from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, so that he will be the great shepherd of his flock and by the power of the blood of the eternal covenant, may he walk perfection into every part of you, giving you all that you need to fulfill your destiny. And may he express through you all that is excellent and pleasing to him through your life union with Jesus, the anointed one, who is to receive all glory forever. Amen. So in here we see three things, maybe more. Number one, God himself brought us peace by raising Jesus from the dead. Jesus Christ is the great shepherd. The power in the blood of the covenant, that is the power in the blood of Jesus, works perfection in us to help us fulfill our destinies. Amen. And of course, verses 22 to 25 basically is telling us to, you know, the writer says, Apollo says, I urge you to let your spirits flow through this message of love that I have written to you in these few words. This is a call for action. Let the love of Jesus Christ permeate our hearts and God will grant us this grace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And we have come to the end of chapter 13 of the book of Hebrews. Praise God. So do we have any questions? Good evening, sir. Good evening. I, okay, great. I can hear you now, sir. Awesome. Well done. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> yes, Sorry about so, the um, Thank you, sir. Um, yes, so what's it going to be? my yoke is easy to bear and the burden i give you is light if you're here and you want to commit your life to christ wherever you are in the chat room please raise your hand and just indicate and god will meet with you because he's the true friend that is saying i will never lose my grip on you lean on me and i will hold on to you tight i will never lose my grip on you so father we thank you for everyone who's committing to you at this hour lord we ask that you will hold them tight in the mighty name of Jesus, that they will grow in the knowledge of your will for them and their lives will be changed for good. We thank you, our Father and our King. In Jesus' precious name we have prayed. Amen and amen. Amen. Okay, um, I, I can't hear Papi at all. I can hear you. Can you hear me? 
Yes, sir. Now I can hear you, sir. Okay, sir. So, um, sir, I don't know if you have anything you want to um, add. This book of Hebrews has been very, very um, interesting and super amazing. So amazing. So amazing. There's a part of it that, you know, the, the very first part, the very first verse of make room to love other believers. That thing, eh? It's a command. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge command, sir. I don't know if there's anything you want to add to to it, sir. Um, well, it, it shows that it's easy for us to close up on loving other people. So it's it's actually very easy to shut people out of your lives. And and justifiably so, you know, people mess up. So you say, oh, that person messed up. Oh, that person messed up. That person messed up. So at the end of the day, you are living in a you're living a choked life. Mm. No room for people, no room for love. Mm. And to make room for love just simply means make room for people's errors, you know. Uh, people are people. They're going to make mistakes. So they're going to be, they're going to have things they do that rub off negatively on you. So make room for their errors. If you make room for their errors, you'll be making room for them. Because mm. people are flawed. We are fundamentally flawed. So true. And we need a savior. We need a savior. We need yeah. Jesus. Yeah, we need Jesus every second of the day. <laughs> We need to realize that we need him every second of the day, every way. Absolutely. Praise God. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Okay. One more thing, though. Yes, sir. I like your T-shirt. Yay! I love my <laughs> church. And that's because I love my church. I love my church. I love my church. And, um, you know, it's so in line with the series that we're kicking off on Sunday. Um <clears throat> Um, I think we can, oh, okay. I think there's a question on Instagram. Okay. Perhaps we can take the question first. Go ahead. Sir? Okay. <laughs> so the question says, um, how do people know they are under the right covering for them to trust the man of God? Mm. I will allow the man of God to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't why don't you give it a shot? Because you know, um, how do you know you are under the right covering to trust the man? Okay. So maybe that will help. Okay. You. Yeah. Okay. So how do I know that I'm under the right covering? Well, number one, this man of God carries my matter on his head. <laughs> that and is not honestly. That's the truth. He carries my matter on his head. Like, eh? What happened to you? What's going on here? And then I begin to think, but there are thousands of us in this church. And you see him doing the same thing for other people as well. How? You know, and that you it's so easy. There are places that, you know, and I'm not casting aspersions here. I've been to churches where they did when I was there for a long time. I just used to sit at the back somewhere and, and I just used to move on. But I come to God's favorite house and boom, it's a is a community because the leader has built a community of friendship, of unity, of love, you know? So it flows down where you're sitting down. Someone says to you, hello, how are you? And I'm like, oh, okay, someone is saying hello to me. So yes, I know I'm under the right covering. I know I'm under the right covering because he comes out and he says to us, I just discovered, you know, like on Sunday when we were sharing, um, there's a song your grandmother <laughs> used to think, oh, did Jericho too? In my mind, I'm like, oh, grandma, God bless you wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> and you came and you taught us the song, you know, at the VG, you taught us the song, explained what it meant, raised a prayer for it, and pulled down anything that could even begin to resemble the wall of Jericho that we may not have even thought was the wall of Jericho. Come on, I'm under the right cover now. I'm under the right cover right there. I'm under the right cover. I know I'm under the right cover. And, you know, also, 
you preach the word of God with the name of Jesus Christ. Like, I just want your life to be changed for God's glory, for God's glory, for God's glory. Change your life for God's glory. Not all so that I can be gratified and think that, oh, this is a very big man of God. No, for God's glory, because if your life is changed, that person's life is changed, we're going to build a community of changed lives and we are better together. So yes, that is that is my my submission on why I believe I'm under the right cover. Okay, so there's a lot going on in the chat rooms. I can see someone say he loves Jesus. He points me to Jesus. Um, someone else says that easy accessibility, nobody mm. got left, right, and center. Mm. Mm. So, you know, and um, yeah, I mean, um, love Jesus points you to Jesus. I think that's the that's at the, that's at the pinnacle of it all. Um, yeah. But I think you also did brilliantly. So that's 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 great. There's nothing else to add. Okay, praise God. Loves Jesus yeah. points me to Jesus. Amen. Okay. Um, over to you, sir. Okay, so thank you, everybody. Um, well done, Pastor Morlake, um, again. The Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Amen. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. And so shall it be in Jesus' amen. name. Amen. 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 Okay, let's um, remember that this is our year of Lifting, lifting and we are lifted, lifted. all the way. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh, Zara,